And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I'm down to dunk. And I'm down to dunk. I'm down to dunk. This is J-Dub, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Shaker Alexander, and I'm down to dunk. This is Lindy Waters, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Mike Muscal, and I'm down to dunk. This is Jay Will, and I'm down to dunk. This is Kenneth Williams, and I'm down to dunk. This is Lou Dort, and I'm down to dunk. We say this is Lou Dort, and I'm down to Dort. <laughs> this is Lou Dort, and I'm down to Dort. <laughs> Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schlecht. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me, as always, on Mondays, is my good friend, Michele Barra. Michele, oh, what's up? Well, it's good to be back on Mondays. I know. Uh, it's been a while. It has been like a, a long while. Like, yeah, this it's is, like, it was like three two, weeks. Yeah, two weeks that we didn't. So it's been three weeks Yes, since we've had like a true Monday pod. So um, it's good to be back. And we got a little bit of news today. I kind of joked on Twitter this morning that how much did the Boston Celtics pay Carmelo Anthony to uh, retire today? Because the, all the talk would just only be centered on the Celtics. We're definitely the Celtics are definitely not getting a free pass here. Uh, however, uh, Carmelo Anthony was—he uh, announced today on Twitter that he's retiring, and so uh, huge congrats to Melo on just a stellar career. Absolutely outrageously great career. Um, and part of it, a very small sliver, if you looked at the Carmelo Anthony pie chart of where he spent his career, you see this little tiny blue sliver that says OKC on it. And boy, was it such an exciting time to be a Thunder fan that summer. I won't talk about the whole time. The whole time was not the most exciting time to be a Thunder fan. But that summer in particular, starting with the Bill Simmons tweet where he wrote on Twitter on July 24th, 2017. I believe I was in Missouri when we got, when I saw this tweet, I was, I remember exactly where I was and it's, he, he, he typed probably on his little iPhone seven or whatever it was. Uh, I have a scoop. OKC and Carmelo are officially circling each other. OKC's Troy Weaver recruited Melo to Cuse plus has known him since DMV days. So that was kind of the first like sign of wow. And I remember in the past, like Jay had always talked about Melo being a target, like a trade target. And I was always very adamant because he had a no trade clause in that in that giant contract that he signed with the Knicks. Just that man, yeah. he'll never waive his no trade clause to come to OKC. It'll never happen. I said it many, many times in, in podcasts. Like, yeah, it would be very nice. Who cares about the defense? But yeah, I will never sign up for this. Yeah, it just felt like a fantasy land. And then yeah. when Simmons tweeted that, 
it was like, oh my gosh, like maybe this is really a thing that could happen. And then they make the trade. And this was coming on the heels of the of the Paul George trade, where it was just that felt like such a victory itself. And then yeah. this was just like, are you are you serious? This is really gonna happen? And it happened just it ended up happening right before training camp. So like that's from like the OKC and uh, Mello are circling each other. It took a little while for them to actually get the trade done because the trade happened just like the day before training camp to the point where I remember like texting like Royce or Fred and them like, is Mello actually going to be at media day? And I was like, yeah, he's going to be there. And I remember walking down the hallways of media day and first seeing the trio of Westbrook, yeah. PG and Mello walking down the hallway in Thunder jerseys together in the back hallways of what was then the Chesapeake Energy Arena and just be like, wow. Like the star power that those three held was unreal. It just felt like a dream. It just didn't feel real. I remember I was the first time I ever met Sam Amick was he was coming through town. You know, like big names came to OKC for media day. Yeah. Where it's like the past few years, it's been like, man, can we get enough OKC media at me today? Um, and then it was just like, man, people are flying in from everywhere. It was such a big deal. Um, what memories do you have of like the acquisition or that summer or just anything, anything before we get to like some of the actual media day stuff? Well, I mean, the. We will get to that, uh, but the the reason behind his coming to OKC, like he said, well, it's basically my son. I said, right, th this is very weird. I don't remember exactly how he phrased it, but it was like, hey, at a certain point, I was talking with my son, and he said, okay, you will fit great there. Yeah, um, and and that was really funny. Like, it's okay, maybe maybe as a, I, I don't know how how old uh, his kid was uh, at the time, but um, but hey, that was a, a nice moment in terms of like being excited for it. Um, it's it looked real, like it looked that that team could have a real chance. Yeah, and it's, and we will talk about how it looked for maybe a month a month and a half. But then that look started to exist. So I remember back in the days we said, okay, uh, if Billy uh, could work with um, with a guy like Kenner as your offensive, no defense kind of guy, can you imagine how can he play with a guy that can actually shoot the three ball well? Yeah. Well, uh, and 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 is like a guy that defenses will care about. Yeah. And and it was like just um, and when it worked, it was beautiful. Oh, uh, there were great. moments yeah. where you say, okay, now this team knows how to play together and it it is really working. It didn't last long, but um but that team was there. Uh circumstances and whatnot made it difficult yeah. to to just e express uh the, the full power of it. But but the idea was hey, let's let's have three guys that can just have so much gravity. That even still will have to adjust, and yeah. again, it was, and it was also a moment where you could actually see a team like being aggressive, being aggressive with the trade, being aggressive in the market. Like, who cares about the tax? Who cares about anything else? We have to win now. Yeah. And and hey, in another universe, maybe with Ray being healthy, this is a completely different story. It it definitely could have been, which also feels a little bit like 
were they really ever going to really do anything? <laughs> because if the difference was Andre Robertson holding all of this together, and then at the end of the season, it was kind of like, oh my gosh, like Corey Brewer got hurt, and it was like, is Corey Brewer really? He's, he's we can't we cannot win without Corey Brewer. You know that was uh, that was rough. Um, he was so interesting. Okay, so let's uh, let's go to Media Day. We're gonna book in this with two Mellow videos. The first one is from uh, Media Day. The first time that we got to see Mellow in a Thunder jersey, he is fully hooded in this uh, clip. Uh, shouts to Eric Horn, who uh, is now um, he's an editor now, but um, Eric Horn was kind of like the mellow guy, like the mellow whisperer of these <laughs> questions because both questions came from from Eric, who I randomly saw at Disney World. Did I tell you that story? No. We were in Star Wars. I don't even know if you call it Star Wars Land or whatever. Walking through Star Wars Land with my kids, my family, last year, uh, last January, and just walking through, and just out of the blue, somebody grabs me by the shoulder and it's Eric Horn. I'm like, Eric Horn, what are you doing here at Disney World? Okay. Anyways. Um, here I miss it, Eric. It's been too much. I need to text him. I know. I'm a, I, how life is going. I know. I thought, I thought about when Mello sent out that tweet. I thought about messaging him and seeing if he'd come on. I still might do that just because he, he he'll have some good Mello stories. Yeah. Um, anyways, here is Carmelo Anthony uh, being asked if he'd be willing to come off the bench. feel about... You know, starting at the four, or the concept of starting at the four, or even coming off the bench. And the second question is... Well, me? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, guess, I, I guess that answers that part. I, I mean, I don't know where that started, where that came from. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, Pete, they said I got to come off the bench. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So yeah. good. It's so good. I'm, I was sitting in that room when that happened, and it just felt, I mean, it was such a big moment. It's something that I think Thunder fans will always remember. It's something that people will talk about when about Mello in the coming days when people are kind of looking at his career. It was the begin. That was like the canary in the coal mine of like, this is the beginning of the end for Carmelo Anthony, everybody. Like, this is it. Yeah. And it's him being unwilling to even – like just couldn't even grapple with the fact that maybe he needed to come off the bench in order to be a successful player. And he eventually did, but it took him being traded. It took him, because, I mean, he played a, a bench role for the Lakers last year. Um, yeah. It took him a long time, and it was almost too late. Because if he would have yeah, come off the bench... it was definitely too late. If he would have come off the bench for that Thunder team and be, and was just like willing to play whatever and let Jeremy Grant be the starter... People forget how loaded that team was with talent. With Westbrook, yeah. Paul George, Jeremy Grant, Mello, Steven Adams. I mean, that was a real team. It was. That was a real team. Ray Felton, Thick Daddy Ray Felton. Terrence Ferguson. Sorry. <laughs> T Ferg. Josh Eustis. Andre Robertson. I didn't mention Robertson. Like that, that was a real Kyle Singler. That was a real squad. I mean, right now the Blazers are sitting back and would so like fantasize about having just a few of the players that are that were on that team on their team with Lillard. I mean, they're doing it now. We did a podcast on Saturday for the Athletic mm-hmm. NBA show where it's like, man, if they could get Paul George and Jeremy Grant on the same team, that would just be unbelievable. 
the Thunder had Paul George and Jeremy Grant on the same team years ago. And Jeremy yeah. wasn't as good, but Paul was better. You know, it was just... Oh, yeah, Paul was definitely better. Yeah, I mean... It's Not just, sure if for us was better than Dame. I don't know. Um... <laughs> I don't. I mean, you know, not not last year's Dame. Dame was ridiculous. Yeah, I was thinking about last year. I mean, the, um, coming into the season, Russ was just out of his MVP yeah. campaign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that was the main part of the deal. Um, that team was so inefficient in offense, and a lot of that was Russ just. Just, I don't know, um, losing everything in terms of efficiency, free throws and layups and mid-range jumpers. It, yes, it was also about Carmelo being Carmelo, but it was also like OKC being inefficient and with PG being excellent, like third in the MPP voting. Third in the MPP voting. That's what he was. So the highest of highs for that team was probably right before that Detroit game where Robertson got hurt, they were really rolling. And they're rolling in that Pistons oh, yeah. game itself. But like the peak was a game at home against the Golden State Warriors where they just oh, pummeled the yeah. Warriors with Durant. I mean, the starting lineup for that Golden State Warriors team, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, Kevin Durant, Zaza Pachulia, with uh, Andre Iguodala coming off the bench. They still had Sean Livingston. This, they had Kevon Looney, David West. I mean... They had some real players. Nick Young was on that team. I forget Nick Young was on that team. Um, and the Thunder just absolutely destroyed them. It was Paul George going off for 20. It was Steven Adams with 14 and 12. Westbrook had 34, 10 and 9. Mello had 22 and 5. Andre played great defense in 32 minutes. Didn't get a ton off the bench, but you didn't need it because those three were just, just packed so yeah. much punch. And they just killed them. I remember that was the year that we started the OKC Dream Team, and we took this stupid picture after the game because we were so excited about the win. Like we were potting together on one mic back in the media room, me and Royce and Fred and Ham. Um, there was like some like such it was such a fun season in some ways, and it was actually the fun debate began that season. But in some ways, it was just so miserable, and. You know, you look at that game against the Warriors that they won. You're like, man, that was a great, great win. Then they go and lose to Detroit. They get killed by the Mavs. They only score like 80 points against the Mavs, and then they get killed by Orlando. And then you kind of you look up, and it's just the middle of December, and they lose to the Knicks, who they had just made this big trade with. They got killed by the Knicks, and they're 14 and 15 at yeah. that point. And you're just like, oh my gosh, what have they done? Then that's when, after that, that's when they ripped off a ton. They ended up being 22 and 17 by January. But yeah. then things, I mean, and then like things just never got great. I guess, so like the real, hold on. They also had a great game in Cleveland. Um, yes, they did. No, okay, so I'm wrong. So they ripped off another, they had another big stretch of games where they ripped off a ton. And then really right before the All-Star break, is when things fell apart. Yeah, so, after Dre. Yeah, so Andre Robertson went down January 27th against Detroit. They yeah. still went on to beat Detroit by a lot. They beat Philly the next night Yeah, by a good margin. I remember that. That was like young Ben Simmons, young Joel Embiid. Um, yeah. I think Pat, Pat Patterson had to close the game because Steven Adams fouled out. Um, <laughs> you remember that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, I, I vaguely remember that. I remember that that was a very exciting and hopeful game. Like we were okay, maybe we can do it without Ray, and then oh no, yeah, we, we cannot. Anyways, didn't work out. They ended up losing in round one to rookie Donovan Mitchell and the Utah Jazz, yeah. which was such a miserable experience. And then Paul George became a free agent, all that stuff. Um, but then kind of bookended by after they lost to the Jazz um, exit interviews the next day, this was, again, Eric Horn. I, I cut the part where Eric's talking, but Eric Horn asked him just about sacrificing next year, sticking around, coming back, running it back, basically. Mm -hmm. And then would you be willing to come off the bench next year? Which is just Eric constant. which it feels like he's constantly asking him if he come off the bench. He really did it just twice. But uh, here's his answer to that. Yeah, I'm not, a, I'm not sacrificing no bench role. So you can, that's out the question. <laughs> I was sitting by Fred Katz during this, and I remember just so vividly me looking over at Fred after Mello was done talking and just like, Oh my god, I cannot believe this just happened in this room. Yeah. Because like now I mean we're we're in like the glory days of like there's no no drama, no nothing, everything's great, everybody's bebopping around, and Mello came in and it was like somber. And he was just like, Yeah, this is I'm not coming off the bench. I'm not sac he's just like, I'm not sacrificing. I'm not sacrificing. Yeah, anything. which which also meant, hey, I'm not I'm not coming back. I'm not coming back. This is not the place for me. And I remember like Paul George being adamant, hey, someone needs to understand what is going on. Um, like it was a moment where you could see that there was disconnect between Melo and the rest of the team to a certain degree. I mean, he had a terrible ending of the season, Melo did. Like, yeah. I remember the two games, my only two games uh, at the peak, um, it was against Sporting, against yep. Miami. I mean, he was horrible so bad like and he had like, like five open trees against uh, i think miami and missed them all or portland and missed them all it was um it was not a great end of the season for him um he played a ton he played way too much that was also part of the if you go back like why do you want to play a 30, 33 34 year old guy more than 32 minutes average per night that is that is not going to work. Yeah. Yeah. It's so crazy. Uh, what a crazy season. And, you know, Mello did not include the Thunder in his little video that he put out today, <laughs> which is not surprising. Um, because this was, it was the beginning of the end for him. It's, it, did he put Houston on the video? Please tell me yes. Um, I don't, I honestly was just watching to see if they... If he had, um, let us know in the chat if he had Houston. I don't know that he did. That was also a miserable time. It was, oh, probably, yeah. it was more miserable than OKC just because it was done so quickly. But um, I just want to highlight what a big deal it felt like, though, to have oh, yeah. to have Mello willingly come to Oklahoma City. It felt like a turning point for the franchise to a degree, and things just didn't go their way that year. I mean, they had the, the talent of like a top three. Um, okay, yeah, Jalen Williams, a, a different spelling of Jalen Williams in the chat says, no Houston, but LA and Portland were on there. Yeah, 
which makes sense. Like he he's he's cutting out all the bad memories. Um, yeah, of his career, which makes sense. But man. hey, um, you're right. I mean, it gave OKC a little bit of uh, at least for for the first few weeks of the season. It was a breath of fresh air. I mean, we can stand again without KD. That was the the main discussion. Like the main the main reason why Melo was so important for OKC is because hey, KD left, but Carmelo came, and now we have a second version of OKC that can actually work. Yeah, we had a big three. We had a big three again, yeah. and boy, it's so funny. And the fact that Presti flipped. Mellow for Dennis Schroeder. Was, yeah. I mean, that's, that was unbelievable. That's great work. That was great work by, by Sam to like save that. And that was the thing is like a lot of people were like, well, they should just wave him. You know, and Sam. Yeah. Was, that, that. Remember that? Remember, <laughs> oh, I, yeah, I do. And, and Sam was <laughs> is so good at just continuing to bring on, uh, to keep that asset alive because they couldn't have mm-hmm. just filled it with a player. They would have, I mean, they didn't have the cap space to bring in a player like that. And so they no. had to like continue it somehow. They brought in Schroeder, who played well for them that year. Not great, but well enough. And then the following year with that Chris Paul team, Schroeder was awesome. He was yeah. awesome. He netted them uh, a first, a late first. Yeah, he did, which is pretty wild. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's it's the reason why you you don't use necessarily a provision uh, to just wave and stretch or whatever. Yeah. Um, if you if you have other options, I mean, you can downgrade the talent a little bit and try to recoup some value mm-hmm. uh, while doing so. Um, I don't know. Having a player there, it's uh, look look at Kevin Love. Like, I'm not saying that Cleveland should have absolutely uh, do everything to keep Kevin Love, but it's when you have former all-stars or very good players uh, like giving it a try like yeah. nine millions on your dead cap is worth basically nothing for a team yes you right. you, you may lower your tax payment for a year but um yeah it's nice that OKC tried to, to to keep it rolling and 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 again Dennis was very good I mean, he had an up and down career after OKC, mm-hmm. um, but it was not bad this year for for the Lakers. Um, no, he's been good for them. Yeah, yeah. No, he's been good for them. Yeah, that trade, the Schroeder trade, actually netted them the twenty eighth pick in the draft, which ended up being Jaden McDaniels. <laughs> so, yeah, they traded it. Can a, you imagine if they Poku, if they keep that pick? I mean, it'd be pretty nice to have Jaden McDaniels on the team. Not sure he's a quote unquote Thunder guy. Um, uh, but hey, there was already a Thunder guy that punched something and broke his wrist slash hand. So maybe that's true. He could have been. That's true. Also, like players that, in that range. Did it also happen that season? No, the season before. The season before. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Desmond Bain. Because, yeah, they didn't have Ganner that year. Yeah, yeah, um, sure. It was straight for Melo. Yep. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Interesting stuff. Uh, anything else on Melo? Big shouts to Mello. Great career. Really hilarious blip on his little radar to stop here in OKC. Do you remember that play call where Mello like did the, I don't know, the hawk or whatever? And it was like a very 
like predictable stuff that ended up either with uh, Russ driving at the rim, but it was like Andres screening for Melo and then something. It was very like I don't know weird to see them calling this hawk scheme. It was this guy like <laughs> flapping his wings, and you know, <laughs> it was very weird. Then he but became anyway. a hawk. For a, for I don't remember if it was seconds. hawk or something else. Yeah, I, I don't remember that super well to be honest. You don't remember, uh-uh. like Carmelo, like flip, flopping his his wings. <laughs> no, <laughs> what that, that was? Did I imagine? Please in the chat, did I dream about it? I don't think it was so. a it I was mean, a play call. Just leaving in my head. If you did, I remember that. I think I remember that. Wow! Shout out to Melo. Shout out to Melo. Um, okay. Let's take a quick okay, break. Nobody is answering to my question, so I probably imagined it. Okay, that's great. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting mad, old and mad. Let's take uh, a quick break, and then we'll talk about the lottery on the other side. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, (laughs) I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f***ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dom. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f***ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dom. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy.
trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. And we're back after that quick break. Uh, Luis says that he remembers that. Okay, we are either both mad or crazy, or we it actually happened. I'll, yeah. I'll check for videos. Yeah. No, I trust you. I trust you. Uh, so the lot we haven't had a chance to talk about the lottery yet. It happened last week, um, and it it went fine for the Thunder because it just was going to be this. This is like the odds of them jumping up were so low. Yeah. At was it eighty five point seven percent to get the twelfth pick and yeah. like three or four to trade down and to be be down or like yeah ten percent so, to be up yeah yeah so it's good that they at least didn't fall they're gonna pick twelfth mm-hmm. also just we I don't even think we got a chance to talk about this at all yet but just the fact that it worked out the way that it did these it was the kind of like tankathon spin that I would spin and look at it and be like. I can absolutely live with these results. I, in fact, I like these results. I like them, and I would love for this to be the way that it turns out. Because like, I can live with them. I would rather Wimby be in the Eastern Conference. But mm-hmm. if he's in San Antonio, whatever. It felt like a foregone conclusion anyways. Charlotte being at two is the biggest, like, whatever. Like, they're going to... Yeah. They're, whatever they do with that pick, it is not going to impact the NBA. Because I just don't believe in that franchise, that team... It's a big who cares. And then Portland is going to trade the pick, which is so dumb, but they're probably going to do it. Um, I think that they should do it, right? I'm not sure I would trade the third pick in the draft, in this draft, especially. If it's Scoot. Especially if, if somehow Scoot is there. I think it's going to happen. I, I think I think Mitch Kupchak has already laid the groundwork for them to take. Which is very weird. Like, <laughs> I know that this is why teams, this is why I don't care about Charlotte getting the second pick is because they're going to screw it up. You somehow. should care. You should absolutely care because it's really fun to make fun of them. Yeah. Well, so that, yeah, it's, it's it's insane. There's there's a level of they, insanity. I mean, here. they might be. Right and saying okay, our our evaluation between Scoot Anderson and Miller or Emmon Thompson is very close, and so we get with the player who we think fits best um, if we think that they are at the same level talent wise. Yeah, um, I'm not sure I buy that, uh, but I I am very bad at evaluating playmakers. Um, I was very fond of a lot of guys that struggled slash result to nothing uh, in the NBA. So, I don't know. Maybe Kapchak sees something in Miller that is... Miller can be the second best player in this draft. Yeah, sure. Sure. I would not pick him to be um, because I like what Scoot Anderson brings. But hey, Jalen sucks. Yeah. We loved him. I know. He didn't have a shot. Yeah. He struggled to play against certain types of pick and roll defense. We said, "Oh well, okay," but he has this mid-range jumper, and he's a dog, and uh, he 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 makes winning plays. And you can say the same for Scoot. I know that these are the, not the same players. Yeah, they're not. Um, the the passing and the, the way in which Scoot moves are very different from Suggs. Yeah, but also we love Suggs. 
So who knows? Still not out on Suggs, by the way. Just throwing that out there. Still not out on Jalen Suggs. Yeah, but it's hard to see him as an All-NBA kind of guy. He'd be a borderline uh, starter slash starter slash maybe a little bit better than an average starter. Yeah. That train is still there. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, Portland. Uh, I mean, I would absolutely test waters for both trading the third pick and trading Dame and just saying, okay, let's trade Dame and Simons. And I just don't think it's so binary. I just – here's the thing. Like, you're wanting to upgrade your talent. Mm-hmm. They want to upgrade their talent. There's been a lot of guys that have come into the league ready to play right away. Yeah. And so why why do you have to do this? Like I know Pascal Siakam would be great, but what if things don't go well? He's got a year left. Oh, I I'm not um I'm not saying you're advocating I'm not these saying, trades. I'm not saying you're advocating for that. But I'm just saying like the kind of trades that are out there that are available mm-hmm. to them that they're probably going to do, even if it's Mikkel Bridges, which I think is probably the most likely option. Mikkel Bridges is a really good player. But, oh, I would not do that. But look at look at what the Suns look the Suns had him and mm-hmm. Cam Johnson and Booker and Aiden and Chris Paul. And the Blazers don't have anything close to that. Anything resembling that at all. And yeah. still the Suns looked at themselves and said, We don't have enough. And they went and traded a couple of those pieces for Durant, including Bridges. Why in the world would trading the third pick for Bridges and like then you basically because it's going to have to include Simons as well? So you're trading away talent that you already have on the team, plus the number three overall pick for Mikael Bridges, who comes in. Like you're going to need to get more pieces than just Mikael Bridges, and then you're just praying that Jeremy Grant will resign. And then, like, your big three is Dame, Mikael, Bridges, and Jeremy Grant? I mean, come on. Yeah, that's that's why I, I don't see that. I really don't buy that. Like, if someone, like, if Philadelphia, for some reason, wants to trade Embiid, and you you trade uh, Simons, well, Nurkic, whatever, a, a way in, I, I don't know if it exists. I, I didn't have to, I didn't check the math on it. But you trade whatever to get Embiid for a number three pick and other assets, which will likely be two unprotected picks at least. Um, is is maybe, Dame and Embiid enough? Because you're going to be filling the rest in with like minimum guys, maybe Jeremy Grant yeah. is your third best player. I'm still, I mean, maybe in this West, yeah, but it's, it's Embiid. Fine. It's Embiid. Like you, you try. If it's Embiid, you may want to say, okay. Yeah. Um, but the 76ers I, I, are not doing that this summer. That's just not going to happen this summer. Just like flat out not happening this summer. Yes. This is, this is. Uh, I mean, you Which have Just like another reason why. Like, I think I agree with you that if you really do want to keep it together and you have the chance to get the MVP of the league, great. Sure. Fine. But we're talking about, I think Bridges is the most likely guy. And again, I would be very interesting, interested to just call the Sixers and say, hey, what do you offer for Dane? Yeah. Because that seems like um, the Sixers may do that trade. Uh, they can trade Maxi and, I don't know, three, four, three, four first-round picks. 
Yeah. I don't know if they actually can because OKC has uh, some um, of their future, and I have no recollection of how much they traded for for Harden. Um, it may not be even possible. Um, but like this is why I think I, I would keep both both options um, open, and if nothing that is over uh, the value that you have in mind comes to fruition, then you just just say to them, "Hey, whatever." Yeah, you just we just do one more time with uh, with Miller um, and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Then Yelena says in the chat uh, that um, there is no no picks for Philly to trade. Well, okay, they may have swaps and stuff like that or rework some of the protection, but but yeah, it's hard. Yeah, I just don't think that there's a way. And then also, if you're Philly, you lose Harden, you swap Maxi for Dame. You try to trade Tobias. I mean, you're different, but like your talent level is definitely diminished by mm-hmm. doing all those swaps, and your future is diminished because you're trading for a guy in his 30s. You know, trading Maxi for a guy in his 30s, where Maxi, who knows what Maxi could be? He's a really good player. He is. So it's just, I, I, I think both teams are kind of in this rough zone. If I'm the Blazers, I get. You don't want to trade Dame, but man, he just had like the best season of his career, and still it was like, man, where are they going? And they're exactly so, they're so far away. They're so so far away from even being what they dream they could be. Like they just have so far away. And like, is Chauncey Billups a good coach? I mean, there's just a lot of questions to answer, and I, yeah. it does feel like they're going to trade the pick, and. You know, I don't think that a lot of people are like can the Thunder get in on a two or three team trade? I, I I don't think so. I don't think it makes sense because the you'd have to provide some kind of like hey value today. Like how can we buoy Dame today with somebody? And the Thunder either have a guy that they would just flat out laugh in their face like they're not trading Shea for the third pick. They're not trading Shea. Period. No. They're not trading no. Giddy for the third pick. They're not going to trade Jade up for the third pick. You know, and these are players that Portland will. I mean, it's it's not that different to draft a guy like Miller compared to having J Dub or Giddy. Yes, they are they are more known commodities, but it's still hard to see them contributing to high level winning in year two and three of their careers. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, of course, if if someone um, offers a lot for the third pick and someone like Lou Dort calls the thunder and say hey guys i'm out I just want to go play with dame said oh, oh okay like I'm, I'm i mean i'm saying dort because i mean we after the three players that we said we don't trade yeah. even before chet uh, i put dort in there as the only guy that can provide likely value for a team like the blazers yeah they, they, well, they would and, need and, him and dame. or kenrich but but you don't trade a pick for kenrich yeah i mean do i mean the value of a player like Dort, where like the Thunder would be like, okay, we'd be willing to trade the pick, is is probably at a level where the team that's trading the pick is like, why would we do that? And then when yeah, it gets when it gets to, the, to be like if, a good pick, yeah, like if the Lakers called and said, hey, we'll give you seven the seventeenth pick for Dort, the Thunder would be like, what are you talking about? Like, no. Yeah, I, I, I thought you were going with this. Oh, okay, I'm I'm. No, like no, 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 no
But, yeah, and it's it's impossible like, that the team comes to you and say, okay, we'll give you the tenth pick. Yeah, I was gonna say that's that's actually a good example. Is like the Mavs call and say, hey, we'll give you pick ten for Dort. Hey, that's not far fetched. That might have, might happen. I think the Thunder could say yes. The tenth to pick like that. for Lou Dort and Mavs kill, known Mavs killer Isaiah Joe. What would you answer? Dort and Joe for ten? Yeah. Can, oh, no. No, no. Really? I just don't believe in this draft as much as you do, I guess. Okay, that's very interesting. Yeah, I don't so think Joe I would has do a that. high value for you. But Joe and you... Joe and Dort. I think both yeah. those guys, I mean, if we if we're learning anything from this playoffs, is like guys mm. that have the heart like Lou Dort matter. Like those guys matter. The way that those guys yeah. play matters, and yeah. like giving up one of those guys for, I mean, maybe maybe if it's like they take Casey Wallace, they're like, you know what, we just think that Casey Wallace brings the same kind of stuff that Lou does with a higher upside, which is with which a guy. not in year one, but anyway, yes, yeah, not in year one. But the Thunder aren't there's there's I don't think there's any preconceived notion that like next year is the year that things like we're we're back and we're in the playoffs and we're going to the second no. round like I just don't think that it's there yet so I think that a like small step back in that way makes some sense because I do think that implementing jet with the offense and defense and everything's going to change I do, I think that a small step back like that makes a little bit of sense today for that reason um and Dort for the Mavs makes some sense. I think that he'd start right away for them and he'd play big minutes and he'd take the tougher defensive mm-hmm. assignment for Luca and he can do a little bit of everything, but efficiency wise, I'm not sure that I see, you know. Yeah. And, the and the more him, I watch playoffs basketball, um, which this year I'm trying to do, if, if only the NBA app will allow me to watch games without self-spoiling them. Mm. Um, mm. Yeah, it's a bug. We're sorry. It's the conference finals. It's, it's not a good time to send an update for the app. Yeah, like, no, it's not. That's come not on, cool. do it in the off-season. Everything yeah. was actually kind of maybe working. Um, but anyway, um, if you look at the heat, it's not that, that when Martin takes the tree, you believe that that goes in yeah. more than you do for Lou Dort. Gabe Vincent is a nice player. Um, is a better shooter for sure. Yeah, Struz yeah. is a better shooter for sure right yeah, now, yeah. but it wasn't like a couple of years ago. Right. So we've seen how valuable a guy like Ludort can be. Yeah. Um, and I really want to see him as the fifth best offensive option for a team Yeah. before we say anything. Because if he's the fifth best option and he shots like 35.7% from three, um, I don't know why I was so specific. Uh, it's because I read it for Mellow in OKC. But anyway, <laughs> uh, that was the only number I could think of. Um, if he is that and he is not providing the value that we have in mind, then maybe in one or two years, you say, okay, you have one year left. This is not really working. Yeah. Um, before depressing your value too much, let's move you somewhere else um, where you can be a better version of yourself and we will just take an asset for it. Yeah. Um, but it's really important that we see first the lineup with Shea, Giddy, J Dub, Dort and Chet, and then we see how it how it works. Yeah. What if the what if the 
Wizards called and said, hey, we'll give you eight for Dort and Kenrich. And Kenrich? Yeah. They're like, Why hey, did you have to put Kenrich there? Because they need toughness. They need guys. P- pick one. They, not, need, not they both. need role players. They need both. This is like the most Wizards trade ever, though. It reminds me of when they traded. Was it pick five for, um, who was it? Randy Foy and Mike Miller. Remember that? Yeah, vaguely. That was a weird trade. And that's the year that <laughs> the Timberwolves had two shots to take Steph. And they took Rubio and they took Johnny Flynn. Johnny Flynn, wow. Yeah. But anyways, it feels like a very wizardsy thing to do. Like the Wizards are still in the same place they were back then where it's like, okay, we like the guys we got. We still just need <laughs> to go for it. I don't know that Yeah, that's I don't think I would do that. I'm not sure that that's something the Thunder would really even consider either, just because like culturally, both those guys mean so much to the team. Yeah, and that might seem stupid to like an outsider listening in, like, oh my gosh, of course they should do that, because then like, and if and if they say you just get to keep twelve, and there's like a situation where you get to bring in Anthony Black and uh, Grady Dick, let's say Grady Dick falls to twelve, and it's Anthony Black and Grady Dick coming in as like two wings that kind of take their place who have a little bit more size, obviously big time shooting upside with Grady Dick. Um, Anthony black is like this very versatile defender who can play the two for them. I mean, that's, I can talk myself into it. Certainly. Yeah, but I mean, not, not both. I would probably do it if you just trade one of the two and then you give up other players, like other role players. It would probably have to then, be Dort. It yeah. Would, I don't think I don't think Kenrich is like doing that much for somebody. No, no, no. But if you keep Kenrich and somehow Shea is happy with the trade or Lou asks for a trade, then I would do that, but maybe not with uh with Kenrich as the other guy. What if it's really like, need... what if it's what you said before? What if it's Lou and Joe and I would actually think about it. Lou and Joe and pick 37 i would actually think about it yeah i think i might too that's about the range where things start to get kind of interesting yeah because i mean you have you have 12 you have eight um you basically reset your salary cap for a long while um and well reset you improve your salary cap position and you have space to play a guy like Anthony Black. If Anthony Black is there at eight, which is not um it's not a given, and someone in the Wizards propose a trade like that, I would actually think about it. Yeah, I I think the Thunder would have to give up more than that to make it happen. I think that you have to give Dorton twelve or eight. I think so too. Would you do Dorton twelve? And there it's too much. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That's and that's because where I, like trades like these just fall apart and you can't get and it's so hard to make deals. Is that team the teams at eight are like, oh yeah, well you gotta give us twelve and like something really good. And the Thunder are like, we actually like the guys that are at twelve and we really like Dort. Why would we give up both for something that we only marginally like better? And this is yeah. where things just kind of fall apart, you know. And then you just take Kobe Buffkin at twelve and you just move on with your day. You know exactly exactly i mean the um, 
we, we said it, I, I think in one of the Dream Team shows or, yeah, we're Buffkin Boys. I got um, to reveal my Buffkin Believer, the Buffkin Boys uh, status here. Yeah. And, I mean, we said, who, who would you draft at six? And I, I'm, I'm not sure uh, that there is a huge gap between a guy like maybe maybe Zar Thompson um, is a guy that has a little bit more upside, mm-hmm. maybe a ton more upside, but not uh, a ton of uh, certainty yeah. that that upside will be actually reached. And then to me, there is not much difference between betting on Buffkin and drafting a guy like Grady Dick. Yeah, um, I agree. So it might be that that Grady Dick is just the next coming of Clay Thompson. It can be. Um, be. And and after a few years, all these stakes are just stupid. (laughs) But as of today, I don't see a ton of difference in terms of betting on a guy like Hendricks or or Jess Walker um, and saying, okay, um, the value for me to to grab one of those guys instead of Bufkin is maybe a middling first on pick, which they they have. Yeah. But not a guy like Dort. Yeah, I I don't. Dort Dort can come. Sorry, and then yeah. I'll, I'll I'll shut myself. Yeah, yeah. Um, Dort may average. D- D- for what we know, Dort can be closer to what we saw in the play-in yeah. than in the rest of the regular season with less shots and more space. Yeah, I mean that's. And if that happens, yeah. that is a borderline all-star. <laughs> and would... don't trade <laughs> twelve in a borderline all-star to grab maybe someone that can yeah. be a borderline all-star. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I, I just think you don't want to do anything drastic with this squad until you have more information, you know? Yeah. And the the thing is, like, Presti and them have, like, their threshold with all of these picks and all the players and, like, what they want and who they want to get. And, you know, if they... Maybe they project somebody like Asar Thompson as like a future mm-hmm. superstar. You know, like, listen, like this guy could be one of the three best players on our team. Then you just you'll you throw Dort and twelve and maybe a future pick at the magic, you know, and say, Hey, listen, like we value this pick tremendously, and maybe the magic don't as much. Like that's mm-hmm. that's a moment where things can get interesting, is if there's somebody in that range, maybe it's Jairus, maybe it is Jairus Walker. They're like, hey, like we need a, a a four that is a beefcake that can do lots of different things with the basketball and is a defensive nightmare. Like that's the guy. Like that's the guy that we want to target. I'm not saying that I agree with what I'm what I'm saying. I'm no. just I'm just making the case. No. I'm just making the case no. for. I know. I know. What? Why they would make a deal like that? And it's just more likely than not that those deals just don't get done. You know, it's just it's hard to get a team inside the top eight to part with that pick unless it's like owner ownership mandate. I, I could see the the Pistons moving their pick just because, boy, this is going to be year five of being bad, and this the fan base can't stomach it. You know, they haven't won a playoff game in, like, 15 years. Like, nobody can stomach this anymore. Like, this has got to end. We got to bring in players now that can help. Like, we can't draft 
Amen Thompson or Asar Thompson or Cam Whitmore or Anthony Black or Jairus Walker and count on them to help us next year. Whereas the Thunder are like, hey, listen, we have had a whole mountain of success that we can still see in our rearview mirror, and we can wait a little bit longer yeah. to get there. And maybe I do think that there is definitely, and I'm not saying that they would trade Dort. I'm not saying that they would trade Kenrich. I, I think that both of those are actually pretty unlikely. However, if there is a time to take a step back, you could argue that now would be the time where it's like, yeah, but hey, this is where Chet's coming in. All these guys are coming in still very young. Like this is the time to do it. Like you could, you could definitely make that argument. Yeah, you can. And you can also make the argument. There are teams like Washington and Mavs that especially the Mavs, they might need more picks. Yeah. Just saying, okay, can you give me an extra pick? if I get you to 10, because for some reason you like a lot Anthony Black. Anthony Black is there. Yeah. We know that the, the magic will likely grab him. And so do you want to give me, I don't know, an extra for some back to, to do that? I think that these trades are there. Uh, maybe also Washington, even if I think that they will gladly take credit, they can have another version of uh, the shooters that they have already and like, I don't know, something like that. But maybe they will ask for two picks to move from 12 to 8. And if OKC loves who's at 8, and they are sure that the Utah Jets, for example, are going to grab that player, maybe uh, Anthony Black, Taylor Hendricks, Osar Thompson. Maybe Osar Thompson slides because, <clears throat> sorry, at at number 6, Cam Whitmore goes. And at number seven, the Pacers pick Anthony Black. And you have Osar Thompson there. And you know that Utah will pick him. And you just call the, the Wizards and say, okay, how many picks do you want together with 12 Yeah, to give me that eighth pick? That is something that can happen. And I think that, again, if the player that Presti has superstar grade on is there at eight, and there is a trade that involves assets, he will do that. Yeah. If the price is even a little bit more expensive. Um, again, this can happen and, and and it's real possibility because like when you have a flat draft, uh, which is the case after four or five in this draft, you can move around and it's not that hard to do. Yeah. So the question becomes will the Thunder use all four of their picks next year if all four convey and it, there's there's a actually a pretty likely circumstance mm -hmm. where all four convey so they have the clippers unprotected pick that's conveying next season no matter what they will get whatever the whatever the pick is and who knows <laughs> what that could be with the clippers i mean um, yeah this year it would have been oh, wait am i looking at the right one yeah, 17, yeah. 17 16 um no 20 it's 20 yeah 20 and that's like best case scenario it was 12 last year that's how they got j-dub is that it was 12 they have a top four protected rockets pick which is talked about all the time just yeah. all the time and they are going to make moves to get better which means this pick is likely to convey somewhere between five and probably 14 yeah depending on what they do 
And if James Harden really is coming back, I mean, that pick is going to convey. And it's probably a lottery pick just because yeah. I still – I mean, James Harden, I just don't see him dragging that Rockets team to the playoffs slash play-in. Well, it'd have to be the playoffs in order for it to not be a lottery pick. So that's another lottery pick. Um, and then the top 10 protected Jazz pick, which Tony Jones has said, I don't see any circumstances whatsoever where the Jazz are inside the top 10 of the lottery of next year. Yeah, um, I love Tony Jones, but I don't see any way anything can happen. They can lose Markin for 40 games. And if, if that is the case, I mean, they will be there. I, I believe, and we saw it this year, where they had all the incentives to really tank. Yeah. And to say to Laurie after five games of this crazy one, like, oh, no, 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 you, you, you're hurt. Yeah, you're, you're hurt. really hurt. Or they just trade him and just say, yeah. like, hey. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So they didn't do it. So I, I, I understand um, where Tony's ideas come from. And I, I believe in this team being better. Yeah. But they were ninth. And after uh, an insane season from Laurie, which if it doesn't happen, yeah, I think that there is a legit chance that they are there. Um, so it's likely that it would be a pick that it's close to where it was this year, give it or take, yeah. which it can either convey or not, depending on where they are. And I think that they have a chance to be where the Thunder was this year, where this season. Yeah. So yeah, definitely, definitely do. So I, I think there's a good chance that they have four picks in next year's draft. And so really, back to my point is, are the Thunder going to choose four guys in next year's draft? They're not going to have the roster spots for no. that. And so do they use one or two of these picks in order to move up? Their own pick is another one. Mm -hmm. like they could use their own in the Jazz pick. And their 12th pick, and that could get you somewhere pretty quick, because picks yeah. that convey like right away for teams, like they're they're going to hold some value, especially like any of those three picks, Clippers, Rockets, or Jazz. Like man, you can talk yourself into those all three of those things being quite a bit of value, and then if you're the Thunder, man, like you have the chance to add somebody pretty significant to this team. And and I don't know what the Thunder think of next year's draft. I know a lot of people think that it's weak. I don't I don't know enough about it to be able to say whether it is or not. But hey, maybe they want the, to use four picks to just grab uh, Dylan Williams' brother, and that's the only goal. Is it the Bronny draft? Uh, it could be if he if he's one and done. Yeah, there we go. Bronny and whatever. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah, I don't know what that, they want to do. That's the plan. That's the full plan. Yeah, I don't know Draft what they want to do. I mean, they also have this Sixers pick that is top six protected in 2025, top four protected in 2026, top four protected in 2027. That is a little interesting with how things are going. Mm -hmm. like, are we 100% sure that Joel Embiid is going to be with that team in 2025, 2026? Like, are we 100% yeah. sure? No, you know. but but see, uh, back to my point. I mean, that is why the Sixers can't move. Would you be yeah. completely surprised if, giving the chance to be really good next year, they they negotiate? Hey, let's remove the protection entirely. 
next year is a bad draft. We need that pick to be we need that pick to be away so that we can actually trade something. Um because if they unprotected in twenty five. Oh, it's in twenty five. Yeah, okay. twenty five, yeah, not twenty four. Do they have the twenty four available? Do they what? Their own? The tw- the twenty twenty four available to them. The Sixers, I don't know. I need to Yeah, but if you're president, you don't do it. Yeah. You don't trade a possibility to to move twenty twenty five for yeah. But anyway. Yeah. I, we'll see. They have options to do whatever. Yes. And, they have. and if I have to bet today, Dort will not be moved in this draft or in the next twenty four months for OKC because of the things that we said. Yeah, I don't I I I think so too. I th- I think that they're more likely to just move additional draft capital. You know, they yeah. also have like they have a, a Nuggets pick, a twenty twenty seven Nuggets pick. Mm-hmm. That still, honestly, I mean it's twenty twenty three. We don't know what the Nuggets are going to look like in twenty seven. Um, but that's another one that could be traded. You know, that has light yeah. protections on it. You know, that could have some value to somebody where you can still just hold out the mystery box of like, hey, you never know. Never know what could happen with any team yeah. down the road. I mean, when Paul George re-signed with the Thunder, no one would have projected like this is what would have happened to the team, you know, in, a, in five years. In like five years' time, you know, it, yeah. it's happened really fast. Where it's like, like who? Wait, who's on the Thunder? You know, what's what's going on? Um, yeah, yeah. So it's Charlie Brown is on the roster. Charlie Brown Jr. Boy. Those were the, those were not the days. Those were nope. not the days. Those were not the days that you want to live. The days of the Kalazakis. Yeah, that's not it. Uh, this current team, these are the days where uh, I am so, so intrigued to see what the Thunder do at the draft this year. So, 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 so intrigued because they do have a lot of options. And I think there are there's value at 12 as well. I don't think that there's va- a ton of value in taking the 12th pick and an asset and jumping up to a grab a particular player unless that guy is just perfect for what they want and i know again i would i would actually see with the i mean if osar is there that could be something that you do yeah yeah they they do not have a six seven six eight wing that can kind of do everything that they want to do that has the athleticism and the ability to defend like Asar does with a guy that mm-hmm. size. And so that would be something they don't have. And he would fit the mold, shoot pass, I mean shoot kind of, pass dribble. Um, <laughs> pass defend. and dribble. Pass, defend, pass and dribble. Pass, dribble, defend, uh, work in progress as a shooter. Um, that's where you, you know, I don't know. I think it, I think it's very, very interesting. Um, for him as well as a trade-up candidate. But I think the same for Anthony Black. I think that he's an interesting trade-up candidate. Um, yeah, I'm I'm intrigued by some players in this draft. But they're all flawed in a very distinct way um, that I, I don't know what they'll do. I don't know what the Thunder would do or what they think of these guys. I think that the draft order... I think if you pulled all 30 teams on their draft order from 1 to 10, you would see 30 different combinations. You know. Yeah. Or I'm not sure. Maybe maybe they all have Buffkin. 
as the number twelve pick, and we will be great. Uh, everybody knows how we feel about Buffkin. I would be all in on Kobe Buffkin wearing a Thunder jersey. Yeah. That would be amazing. Um, okay. Anything else before we go? Celtics are just dying. They're just like dying on national television right now. Yeah, I've watched last night's game. What a beauty. The Heat just demolished them. It's crazy. They, they were playing with force. Boston didn't. And... I mean, that is the value of having guys that knows how to play, but they can shoot. Yeah. Because the space was there. I mean, they, they could just, there were moments where, I mean, it's all creation from the dribble. And you can see the thinking of a coaching staff like the one that OKC has. Hey, we need that. And I mean, you can, you can say that besides Jimmy and maybe Bam, yeah. OKC has much better players in as as projection at least mm-hmm. they just need to be able to space the court and that will be there for them yeah yeah i think that's right um and they also played so hard yeah. like and spo is just i mean i think that the reason why the heat can transform so well is basically just bow mm-hmm. and the way in which he prepare he and his staff of course prepare for just serious they are perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they really are. Yeah, I'm interested to see what they're going to have to do to keep their team together. We were kind of texting about it this morning. Um, would you take on Duncan Robinson to get the 18th pick in this year's draft? Like, I get Duncan and the 18th pick? Yeah, you got Yeah, you take. I mean, he's got three years left at like a lot. I know that I'm a fan of these kind of moves. So yeah, yeah, I think it's yeah, interesting. it's a bit too much in terms of money. Yeah, um, it is. It is. It it eats eats up quite a bit of your cap. Um, let me pull it up. I had it up. Pulled it up earlier, but if it's just a year too long for me. Yeah, but like Duncan Robinson would actually be awesome in Mark Dagnall's system. I think. Oh yeah. Be, He'd be amazing <laughs> with Mark. Yes. <laughs> I think he would look like he did early on with the Heat, um, like his second and third year with the Heat, where he's just like lights out. I think yeah. I think that that's what he would look like with this team. And Yeah, but then, then just draft Gray, they can be okay with it. <laughs> but you get you get uh, older Grady Dick and uh, pick 18. So he's... Next season, he's 18 million, 19 mm-hmm. million, and 24, 25. Then he has a player option for almost 20 million. Yeah, which he will never turn down. Oh, but yeah. it but it also depends on hey, how can you use Duncan Robinson? Because if he suddenly scores 18 points per game on 65% effective field goal, then who cares? <laughs> the money he will he will find a, a place for a one-year rental anywhere you just have to be sure that you draft him that that, that you pick him and you basically extract value yeah. i mean i think that that dennis had the same kind of structure in his contract um and he actually took his player option and got traded yeah 
or something that's, like this. But it's two more, but it's next year and the year after, and then the player option. Yeah, but uh, Gideon's Max comes in two years. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so until then. I mean, you have to send a player back to most likely just because you're going to have to you're going to have to settle this and you have to trade something to them which can be as little as cash considerations or whatever. Trey man. Yeah, that's who I floated in the chat with the the text group earlier. Yeah. Yeah. I think Trey makes some sense to give them. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's an interesting one. Or you don't do anything so that they struggle in keeping this team together and you have their pick. Yeah. Plot twist. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's an interesting one because it's like, how are the Thunder going to use their cap space? Well, it's going to be something closer to this than it is like drawing in some kind of free agent. Yeah. And the Heat needs some cap flexibility. Yeah, they're they do. gonna they're gonna need it because if they want to keep Gabe Vincent, which after this run, it's like, why wouldn't you keep Gabe Vincent? Um, especially over Duncan, who has not been in the rotation. He he's played well, played well last night, um, but has not been in the rotation for the Heat this entire playoff run. You're gonna have to make some choices. Max Struess as well. Max has been in the rotation this whole time, and is, he needs to get paid. And so yeah. you still have Lowry on a big contract next year. You probably want to keep him as well. What are they going to do? They, they need to find some relief somewhere. And so I think they'll be calling about Duncan. I don't know if it's Duncan in the 18. That's just all hypothetical. But something like something, it's going to cost something, an asset like that, in order for this to work. Yeah. You know, for because um, it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. To yes, take on is. that contract. And 18 may not even be enough, honestly, to take on a deal like that. Um, but I think it's a, an interesting hypothetical deal where, it, like, I think Duncan, like, helps the Thunder quite a bit next year just because I think he's the exact kind of player that Mark would know how to use that could play off of Shea and Giddy and J-Dub and Chet. I, I think that's right. Um Wow. Who, do you, who do you get at 18, says Daniel Zanellini? Gigi? Heck no. Heck no. No. Any sort no. of Gigi Jackson propaganda no. that's happening out there with the Thunder, you can just go ahead and take it and just dunk it in the garbage. Duncan Robinson, that thing, in the garbage. The thing is, that's yeah. there just ain't no way they would take Gigi Jackson. No way, no how. At 18? Um, Ryan Rupert. Rayon Ruper is definitely somebody that I would think about and that Hawkins range. if he's there. If Hawkins is there, that would be great for McKelle. Um let's Yeah, I know that the Thunder were at his workout. It would be very bad if they weren't. It would be. They 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 need to draft to, to scout everyone. Yeah, I was in, gonna say let me get on my high let, let, let me get on my soapbox for just a second with, with all of this like Hey, the Thunder talked to so-and-so. Oh, man, did you hear they talked to so-and-so? The Thunder are going to talk to everybody. So don't think that it means something. It actually would mean a whole lot more if the Thunder decided not to talk to them. Yeah. If they just decided it would be a waste of our time and resources not to talk to them. 
which is probably not going to happen with anybody in the top 100. They're going to talk to everybody. They yeah. want to not only not not just for the draft, but like to put together a profile for them for years ahead. They really yeah. wanted to get Victor Oladipo in the draft that Stephen Adams year of the draft, 2013. They wanted him. Couldn't get him that night. Had the the file of like, hey, we've we've talked to him, we've interviewed him, we love this player. We want him to wear a Thunder jersey. Yeah. It just can't be tonight. And so they kept it, and then they end up trading for him down the road. Like, yeah, those and, those and, are the kind of things that they're all they're always always always. Look, Kenrich Williams was another one where the Thunder had like a profile on Kenrich at during the draft time. He ended up not getting drafted, but they really liked him during during the draft process. And then later on, it's like, yeah, it 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 wasn't a complete surprise when Kenrich got to Oklahoma City that like we like this guy. They already liked him. Yeah, they already and liked with him as Gigi a person, especially. I mean. Suppose that there are the first level of scouting says, okay, this is not really a Thunder guy. Um, um, he's not mature enough, whatever. Yeah. He he was checked out with his team. Um, yeah. And that may be, hey, he was checked out. This is not a Thunder guy. Yeah. If this is how OKC runs business, I mean, this is not because they are way more in depth, uh, in detail. They yeah. would know why he was checked out. Let's see how he, like the body language when he does a training in front of people, um, what he thinks about us. Um, like all this stuff are extremely important. Like I would be extremely surprised if OKC just decides in March, hey, that guy, not for us. It may happen. Um, but I mean, saying that OKC was at their uh, workout. It's just, okay, they should be there. Yeah, they're going to be like, there. Yeah. They, they take this stuff really seriously. And, yeah. And want to do, they're going to do their homework on everybody. They're going to they're going to lift up every rock and see what's underneath it for yeah. every single draft prospect. Like, that's, hey, that's going to happen. And it's also narrative. In these times, whoever you are actually going to draft, uh, who's higher on your board, this is an information that you don't need to let out. Yeah. Gigi may go between 10 and 25. Yeah. Suppose that someone thinks that this is the guy that OKC wants. They may leverage. They may do something. Yeah, totally. Like, dece- like being deceptive in this process is also part of the process. Like yeah. everybody was having a book night as the Thunder guy. But they were laughing so hard. So hard. About the way and that we were talking about Book Night to OKC. Yeah. Suppose that Toronto or someone got an offer for Giddy. Mm-hmm. Like, suppose that the Golden State is 100% convinced that Giddy is their guy. They may offer Weissman and Seven to, to go at four. Yeah. If they are convinced, sure, that this is this is OKC's guy. Yeah. And if they have the doubt, they say, man, if we go if we go that route and they pick Book Knight for real, we are desperate. <laughs> like, yeah. So it's also important to mixing up and to give like different info so that oh, yeah. nobody really knows what the, you want to do. Yeah, yeah. The, like the reported info on OKC. 
I can tell you for the most part, there's been some stuff that's good. Most of it's very pain bad. was good. Most of most most of it's bad. Yeah, pain was yeah. good. Uh, I mean, Lee Ellis had Josh Giddy going to OKC the day before the draft, or maybe that was the morning of the draft. He was very close to the draft, <clears throat> so that was that was good. But a lot of other stuff, not so great. You, you just don't get that much stuff because no one really yeah. talks, and that's purposeful and like <laughs> and it's good for the team it's good for the team to not have stuff reported <laughs> yeah. you know during this time and then you can find out things later um you know wendy had it but a lot of people knew about jada being their like main target you know like that was yeah. the guy that they were really targeting um so yeah it's uh it's a fascinating time of year and like right now we're just playing guessing games but like the the thunder have enough history now between like the start of this new era and now that we know like the kind of people and the kind of players that they want to draft, you know, like mm-hmm. there's a particular kind of person that they bring in that they draft. It's it's Gigi Jackson does not check those boxes with personality, with play style, with any of it. Like the only thing like I, like he's got long arms. He's super duper duper young athletic he can kind of get his own bucket he's got all those things i'm describing a player that plays on the houston rockets i'm not describing a player that plays on the thunder there's not one player that matches that profile on the thunder right now yeah and i don't zag but until they they do all try to i think they will zag but not not for a guy in like the teens i think it would have to be like somebody's at the top of the draft and it's like boy like this guy's gonna change the league, but he is yeah. the worst. And then you have to just be like, prepare yourselves, Mark Degnault and crew, because this guy that's gonna change the league is coming and he's gonna wreck shop, but he's gonna be worth it. Gigi Jackson, not gonna be worth it to wrangle that guy. <laughs> nope, not it. But if it's somebody that you're like, man, he'll change the league, but he's gonna make things really difficult for a long time. It's like, all right, here we go. Let's test the culture. Let's see how it yeah. goes. Um, all right. I could talk forever. We'll stop there. Hope you guys have a great day. Thanks so much for listening to our show. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Hey, if you're listening right now, hit the like button below. That helps our videos somehow within this YouTube algorithm. I don't know how. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. We are so close to 4,000 subscribers. Just get us there, please. If you're not subscribed... Uh, go there right now if you're listening on the podcast app and just subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can watch live. You can watch afterwards. If you just want to watch two guys talking hoops, you can do that. Uh, hope you guys have an awesome rest of your Monday. We'll talk to you guys again on Wednesday. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.